Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So we portion Mishpatim contains one of the central ideas of social life. After granting the Ten Commandments, the Torah details dozens of additional laws, mishpatim, in Hebrew. If you're not an attorney or a legal philosopher, these laws might seem to you boring, a bit dry and mundane. Ancient lawyers share one attribute with modern attorneys. They're the only people in the world who can write a 10,000-word document and call it a brief. <laughs> but no matter how boring, Law guarantees liberty. Western jurisprudence rests on the concept of majority rule. Minorities are protected, but majorities decide. Our first introduction to this principle is in the Parsha of the week. Achrei rabim lehatot, the Torah proclaims. Follow the majority. When there is disagreement between the individual and the many, follow the many the Talmud states. Centuries before Enlightenment thinkers developed what we now call Western thought, Jewish law already embraced the central principle of democracy, majority rule. But what happens when the majority is wrong? What happens when the majority is unjust, intolerant, or immoral? The Torah cautions, Lot rabim do not follow the majority to evil. Rashi explained, if you see wicked people perverting justice, do not say that since they are the majority, I will follow them. In other words, the majority rules, but it is limited rule. The majority must be loyal to principles of justice, righteousness, Morality, if not, the Torah cautions, do not follow the majority, resist. Easier said than done. Oftentimes the majority is right and we are wrong. We just can't see it. We're either being pig-headed or irrational. The passion of our conviction is not the barometer of the justice of our cause. I've met many people, and so have you who are passionate in their beliefs, but are wrong. Oftentimes, the most wrong are the most passionate. They often couch their argument in moral terms, but they're still wrong. But more, the majority could be downright terrifying, especially when it is wrong. What the Torah calls ra, Evil. Have you ever been in a virtual or physical mob? Single-minded zealots come at you seized with pitchforks of self-righteous anger and indignation? People are reluctant to come forward. Good people are hesitant to resist because we run the risk that the very evil that we are protesting will be turned against us. That was the case of Moses. He saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating an Israelite slave, and the Torah tells us 
he looked around, kovacho, this way and that, to make sure that no one was watching him. And then, when he was sure that no one was watching, he slew the Egyptian impressor. He was hesitant. Because the very system he was protesting, slavery, would have devoured him if he was caught in the act of resisting it. In fact, that was the reason he fled to Midian. He discovered that his deed was known. But not only that, he sacrificed status, privilege, and prestige. He was royalty, raised in the house of Pharaoh's daughter. His act of defiance in the name of justice, his resistance to the majority, cost him everything. The prince of Egypt became a refugee with only the clothes on his back. It takes enormous moral fortitude and exceptional courage to really resist an evil majority. The greater the evil, the more courage it takes. And the fewer are the people who stand up. Most people will not risk it all for the sake of another's justice. I was thinking of these things this week because Poland passed a law that made it a crime to accuse the Polish nation of complicity in the Holocaust. Have you seen that? It's a contemptuous law. First, because it criminalizes legitimate speech, but more, it whitewashes the truth. The crimes of multitudes of Poles who eagerly participated in Nazi atrocities. Many took advantage of the breakdown of morality to act upon their simmering hatred of Jews. Many others, perhaps troubled by the moral breakdown, but cowed by its cruelty, refused to resist. We should not be too quick to judge the bystanders and the fearful. Because when we find for ourselves a safe place of searing soul searching, we should question ourselves whether we would have acted differently if everything we owned and everyone we loved was at risk. We know how we would have liked to have acted but we are not quite sure if we are honest with ourselves if we would have had that courage to act on the convictions that we tell ourselves are the right convictions today. It is precisely because it is so rare that the actions of those relatively few Polish citizens who resisted the evil majority and risked it all is so inspirational. Yad Vashem has honored 6,706 Polish citizens as righteous Gentiles, more than from any other nation. The new Polish law is contemptible in another way. It minimizes the courage of those who did resist. 
I want to share with you the story of one of them. Witold Pilecki, as the chief rabbi of Poland wrote, when God created the human being, God had in mind people like Captain Witold Pilecki. You can read about him in this recently translated book, The Auschwitz Volunteer, Beyond Bravery. It's worth reading. For those of you joining us on our Eastern Europe mission next year in 2019, we'll assign this book as essential reading before we go. When Witold Pilecki was a Polish cavalry officer who fought the Nazi invasion of his homeland, in September 1940, he deliberately walked into a Nazi roundup in Warsaw so that he would be captured and sent to the concentration camp of Auschwitz. At the time, it held Polish prisoners of war. The Polish military had heard rumors of horrific acts taking place there, and Captain Pilecki volunteered to be captured so that he could discover the truth. Eventually, he spent two and a half years at Auschwitz, living through its transformation from a prisoner of war camp for thousands into a death camp for millions. It was brutal and barbaric from the start. Pilecki spared no words in describing the inhumanity he did not philosophize that much. He was an intelligence officer. He was interested in facts, not theory. Reading his reports today, which are compiled in this book and translated, if anything, they are more powerful because they are simple facts. These reports were smuggled out of Auschwitz during the two and a half years, and these are the documents that are transcribed in the book. The reason Pilecki's story is not well known in the West is that the Polish communist government suppressed it for decades. After the war, Pilecki, who was a Polish patriot, fought against the Polish communists and their Stalinist allies. In 1947, his former comrades, a number of whom were with him in Auschwitz, arrested Pilecki, charging this hero of the Polish nation with treason. He was tortured in prison, worse, he said, to visiting relatives than anything he had experienced in Auschwitz. In 1948, somewhere in Warsaw, he was executed, his gravesite unknown. There is now a monument to him where he was captured by the Nazis. If we're in Warsaw next year, we'll visit the monument. Pilecki wrote this about his first moments in Auschwitz. Around 10 p.m., the train stopped. This is the moment I bade farewell to everything hitherto known on this earth and entered something seemingly no longer of it. Our concepts of law an order of what was normal. All those ideas which we had become accustomed to on this earth were given a brutal kicking. Even as his strength diminished, 
Pilecki kept writing. It was a daily surprise that we were still alive, he wrote, when we seemed to have crossed far beyond the threshold of what the strongest man could endure. We developed respect for this strange human nature, possessing a soul and containing something apparently immortal within itself. What can humankind say now? Can we from the 20th century look our ancestors in the eye and claim that we have attained a higher cultural plane, he wrote? Don't make me laugh. There are no words to describe it. We have become animals. But no, we are a whole level of hell worse than animals. Pilecki, a devout Catholic, witnessed a few shining moments of humanity in a dark ocean of evil. It once happened, he wrote, that a young inmate was selected to be killed, whereupon an old man, a priest, stepped out of the ranks and asked the camp commandant to take him and release the young man. The commandant agreed. The heroic priest went to his death. After the war in summer of 1945, Pilecki allowed himself one moment of philosophical contemplation. I would now like to say what I felt when I was back amongst the living, coming from a place about which one can honestly say, he who entered died. He who got out was reborn. At times, I felt that I was wandering through a great house and would suddenly open the door to a room in which there were only children playing. Yes, the leap was too great from what for us was important. And what most people, fussing, enjoying themselves, and worrying, think is important. Let them take a moment to consider their own lives and let them look around and begin on their own to fight the falsehood, the lies, and the self-interest which are artfully presented as meaningful, the truth, and even a great cause. It is the same conclusion that Jewish sages draw from the experiences of Moses. Rather than interpreting the Torah in the most obvious way, Moses looked this way and that because he didn't want to be seen and he didn't want to be caught as he slew the Egyptian taskmaster. The sages teach, Moses looked this way and that and when he saw that there was no man, when he saw that there was no righteous person who would stand up and defend humanity in the face of the monstrosity of slavery, he stood up himself. And thus the sages teach, where there is no man, be a man. 
in modern terms, where there is no mensch, no person who will stand up and protect human dignity. You be that person. Be righteous. Do not follow the majority to evil. Resist.